Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about AEW's revolution last night and the exploding barbed wire death match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Was there a big bang at the end of that match? Also, it's International Women's Day, and we talked to one of the best women's wrestlers in the last 20 years, Gail Kim, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. When this match was announced, and of course we're talking about AEW's revolution from last night on pay-per-view, and we are starting off with uh, the main event, you know, a, a match that I highly anticipated and talked about for weeks here on Busted Open. I hyped it up as much as you can hype up a match. Both you and I, Bully, you and I, the day after that match was announced, I mean, we were like two kids on Christmas morning. You know, Ed Robinson played Wild Thing and Tribute to Onita, and we talked about the history of the barbed wire death match. And I'm all excited and I'm like, oh my God, we're getting an exploding barbed wire death match at AEW's revolution with Kenny Omega and John Moxley, two of the best wrestlers in the world doing this type of, type of match. And you said, Bully, said, Dave, don't want to dampen your, your expectations, but if you're going to put on a match like this, you better do it right. Because if you don't, it will haunt you. Bully, you just opened up the show with saying that you're always going to remember. The only thing you're going to remember is the finish. And those words were ringing in my head last night after that pay-per-view when you said, if you're going to do it, you better do it right. And there was nothing right about the end of that exploding barbed wire death match from last night. Let's talk about the positives first because the negatives to the way that match ended, are so glaring. Yes. The positives. Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And the work rate and the effort and the effort to tell a story within the gimmick match of the barbed wire exploding death match. Those guys worked their asses off. Um, you're putting your body on the line to the next degree when you're in a match like that because so many things can go wrong when you use barbed wire. So many things wrong can go wrong when those triggers get released and those mini C4 bangs go off. Um, I loved some of the little psychological parts of the match, i.e. Um, when Kenny got ran into the barbed wire 
and it blinded his eyes. Yes. And that's what took him out for the moment. The explosives went off in his eyes, and they had to bring in the bottle of water, and he's dumping water frantically in his eyes to try to clear them up. And the way um, they were putting that over on commentary, really liked that. That brought me into the match more. It made me believe that, oh, wow, he could be blind in one eye. And then later on the match, the creative way to quote-unquote kick out when uh, Moxley kicked out of one of Kenny's finishes by throwing his leg up against the barbed wire, thus exploding the C4 and breaking the count because Kenny had to jump off. Those are little psychological things within a match that make a lot of sense and help me as a fan to truly appreciate what these guys are trying to do in the ring. Work rate was top-notch. And I, I really enjoyed the match. I'll try to take you on a little bit of a journey through what was going on in my head when everything started from start to finish. Yeah, we got the, okay. the recap package, and that was cool. Seeing Moxley come to the ring, first off, if Tony Khan is going to buy the rights to Jungle Boy, Buy the rights to Wild Thing for one night. It's a nostalgia thing. It would have worked. Your diehard fans would have popped for it. And even if you never heard it before, it would have made sense for Moxley because it's good music for him. So I would have played Wild Thing. When they were going to the ring, Dave, I don't know how you felt, and I definitely want to get your take. First thing I said to myself when I saw the ring and I saw the barbed wire boards and whatever they had set up, I said, this looks really indie-rific to me. I said, I've seen similar setups on indie shows. So visually, it was not that appealing to me. From a production point of view, I thought that they would have spent a lot more money making this uh, a little bit more pleasing to the eye, a little bit more dangerous to the eye. I wanted to see something that was going to make me go, whoa, these guys are in trouble. They're really putting the, their bodies on the line. Um, when you see that barbed wire board, it's a very homemade indie type of thing and i know they're gonna try to go with this whole well kenny made it so this was kenny's idea and he made it and it hits it's it's yeah. his fault but i don't want to feel like i'm going to see a czw show when i'm watching the main event of an aew revolution show that is going to be the first exploding barbed wire you know death match cage match whatever whatever they did uh you know in the states in a long time but then they started to work, and they got me in a little bit. They got me in a little bit. The first explosion, I thought, was a little lackluster. I really didn't think there was anything to it. The in, in explosions that followed, I thought, were okay. I thought worked. They got color. They worked hard. They busted their ass. They laid their shit in. They definitely got me back after the first five minutes of seeing, uh, seeing the ring and seeing the, the barbed wire boards on the floor. So let me stop there. How did you feel about the way everything looked uh, in the it, beginning? You know what? It's so funny that you said that because I kind of thought a little bit differently. And here's what, what I thought. I thought it looked way too bright. Like it, it looked like the barbed wire and everything looked like it was like brand new. Like it, it, it seemed like 
too glossy and and kind of produced for me. Like it didn't seem dark and gritty. Like I, you know, it's a little bit different than the take that you're saying. Like it, it looked too brand new, if that makes any kind of sense. Like it just, I thought it maybe a little bit dimmer, a little bit darker. Um, not a big thing, just a little bit something that I noticed when they first kind of started. And I agree with you with the first explosion. It seemed just a little bit underwhelming because you figured you want to start with a big pop to kind of say, oh, shit, this is something that, you know, I, I, it's definitely going to grab your attention. But but again, quickly, and I think this is more to the credit of Moxley and Omega, they got me to buy into that match very, very quickly. They really did. And because some of it looked a little bit odd to me because, again, Bully – you know, we're not new to this exploding barbed wire death match. You know, we've seen this. We've seen it before. We've seen it multiple times. Nobody did it better than FMW. And this is AEW's take. But quickly, Moxley and Omega, and a credit to them, got me invested into the match because of the violence that they were showing in that ring. And that happened pretty quickly, I thought, Bully. There has been a precedent set with this match. Yes. And... The the precedent that was set was loved by guys like John Moxley, and if you were able to reach out to a guy like Onita, and Onita was actually able to cut a promo for this specific match, you would have thought that they would have asked him to borrow the blueprints for his yeah. exploding barbed wire <laughs> cage of death, you know, whatever. Like whatever they did back in the day is what they should have done. Last night, they should have ripped it off, copied it, done it, you know, um, explosion for explosion, um, whatever they needed to do to make this seem really over the top. Thank God Moxley and Omega are the workers that they are because the work rate and the performance of those two guys is what really held this all together. I didn't feel like I was watching anything that was truly death-defying. I really wasn't worried for the well-being of the wrestlers when it came to the explosions. With the barbed wire, it's a little bit of a different story because that shit has a mind of its own, and you can get... Listen, I watched Sabu tear his entire you know arm off i think he needed what like 100 stitches or something like that to close it off uh after his barbed wire match with funk so and now we get to the ending we get to the finish and well well, really quick before we get to the ending because i i I do want to say a couple more things because and we'll get to the ending believe me i i think i think you would agree bully that most of this show we're going to be talking about the ending to that match but I, I just want to give a little bit more credit to, to Moxley and, and Omega here is their facial expressions, too. Like when there are times when they, you know, you saw Moxley kind of slide so he, he wouldn't hit the barbed wire. Same thing with Kenny, the way he blocked. Like it wasn't their facial expressions. They, they were able to show fear. And, and they got me to buy into it. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't like over overreaching. It was like real fear of getting cut up by this barbed wire. Like you just said, I, I can't give those two uh, more credit because, you know, you talk about this is this is a match that people are either going to say is garbage wrestling or not buy into it. This is brand new. They got to really show for the majority of the audience watching last night that have never seen it before. 
something that's kind of over the top and ridiculous. Those two had to get people to buy it. I, I, I really do think that they did a wonderful job of doing it. And that's why, Bully, now that we're, uh, we're about to get into the ending to that match, that's why I'm so frustrated and angry about what happened at the end of that match. Because it's not just about the work of both Moxley and Omega, but it's about the story too. Seeing the good brothers come into the ring, handcuff Moxley, the the countdown is coming down. Eddie Kingston, who they have done a tremendous job with in Eddie Kingston, especially the feud with Moxley, about that they, they were once boys, but there's jealousy there. To see Eddie Kingston come out, try to get Moxley to wake him up to get out of that ring and to to you know go over on top of him and to cover him knowing that that ring was about to explode. I mean, up to that point, what a wonderful story each and every one of those parties described and put out in an art form last night on that pay-per-view. And that is why I said from day one, if you're going to do it, you better do it right. Because look at what happened when it goes wrong. Yeah, the explosion wasn't that good. The fans didn't get to see everything go boom. That's not the problem, Dave. The problem is the talents that were in the ring that had to endure the malfunction, I'll call it, whatever it was. The explosion malfunction, just like a wardrobe malfunction can happen. Yeah. Eddie Kingston comes to save his friend. His friend that has beat the shit out of him for a while jumps on top of him. They're trying to create one of the greatest moments in barbed wire deathmatch history. Onita covering Terry Funk while when when the when the cage explodes. A martyr, the ultimate babyface. Poof. Yeah, I, that's I, what we got. Poof. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. As I watched the end of the angle, the match had ended. Obviously, the Good Brothers did their dirty work. Moxley's handcuffed in the middle of the ring. Nobody is here to save him. Are we to assume he has no friends? But here comes his good friend and knight in shining armor, Eddie Kingston, who will valiantly try to wake him up and cannot do it and thus will dive on top of him to make the save. What a great story. I'm a guy that comes on this show day after day and professes the importance of storytelling and how storytelling trumps trumps storytelling and character trumps moves and spots all day long every day and has been for 100 years in pro wrestling. They get it right. AEW got it right with that story. I don't care that they're ripping it off from somebody else. That doesn't bother me. They're getting it right. And then the finish. Because it truly is what people are going to remember. Compare it to a movie, a concert, a book, uh, a sporting event, anything. That's why I put the tweet up that I did last night, quoting Vincent Kennedy McMahon. 
The only thing they're going to remember is the finish. And that's the truth. Dave, when, when, I tell, when I say something like that to you, if I say the only thing they're going to remember is the finish, do you take that as a negative comment or a positive comment? Uh, it could be taken either way, but you, but but you know, most of the time it's a positive. It's you know, it's how that ends. That's what people are always going to remember. Unfortunately, it, in this it, case, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's factual negative. comment, yeah. is what it is. Yeah. It is dead on balls accurate when in the wrestling business. If you have a bad match with a great finish, they're going to remember the finish. And if you have a great match with a bad ma- with a bad finish, they're only going to remember the finish. Unfortunately, this is what everybody was talking about on social media last night, and unfortunately, this is what commands the beginning of our show tonight, today. Please don't get this twisted, AEW fans. We are speaking high praise for John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Those are the guys that count. Those are the guys that made that match happen. The barbed wire didn't wrestle the explode the explosions. Kenny wrestled Moxley. They got it right. Everything that happened in that ring with the physicality and the storytelling, they got it right. It's the production that got it wrong. It's whoever was in charge of the barbed wire and the explosives who got it wrong. It's the amount of money that was invested into the whole visual uh, effect got it wrong. I'm not going to compare anything to the WWE this morning, but I will say this, and let me know if you agree. If the WWE was doing an exploding barbed wire death match, I think it would have looked a little different. Yeah, and, and and if it had the ending like it did last night, people would be screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs about how bad it was. You know, you have to be fair here. And, and there's a lot to what you just said, because you said AEW fans. Bully, I'm an AEW fan. You, you come on the air quite often and say, you know, LaGreca, you're just a mark. You're making excuses for AEW. You know what? I'm not making excuses for AEW. What happened last night happened. And you're, you're 100% right. You're always going to remember to finish. Bully, uh, in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, Tom Brady threw for over 500 yards, threw three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He had one of the greatest performances in Super Bowl history. Did he win? No, he lost. Does anybody remember that performance? Is Tom Brady going to say, you know what, I had a great, but no, because it was a loss. You lost. Last night was a loss for AEW. It was a swing and a miss. There's no way to cover that up. We could talk about performances. We could talk about, you know, work rate. We could talk about storytelling all we want. We could talk about it till we're blue in the face. Last night was a major loss for AEW. And you can point the finger of blame at anybody. It does not matter. It doesn't matter who was at fault. A loss is a loss. And last night was a loss. In the past two weeks, I've posted some gifts on my social media with regard to how the ending should have looked, how the explosion should have looked, um, what we have uh, come to know and love uh, as the finish of the finish of an exploding barbed wire death match. And we didn't get that last night. Last night we got something uh, so comical that people were comparing it to Gilbert's entrance. Um, 
I felt bad for those guys in the ring. I really did. I felt bad for Eddie and for Moxley. Um, Eddie should have called an audible. And that's what a great ring general would have done at the time. If you know, you can, listen, you can hear that things didn't work. You can probably see out of the corner of your eye, things didn't work. I think I would have gotten to my feet and started to help Moxley to my feet. I would have taken the people's mind off of what happened. I would have put the focus back on the talent. Show me a bloody John Moxley's face. Show me the best friend trying to help him up. Show me all that because the final thing that I was supposed to see did not work. So now, since it was such a dud of an explosion, I'm forced to focus on the two guys that are selling an explosion that should have killed them, but it went poof. That's when you call the audible. Forget about the medics rolling in and all that, you know? get him to his feet have the people give you a standing ovation just for the effort you know aew fans are going to be extremely forgiving do that let the people refocus the positive energy on the talent as opposed to having them continue to focus the negative energy on the lackluster explosion yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't know what I would have done in that situation, but Eddie Kingston just laying over Moxley. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, but you're right. Like, Bully had to do something because just laying on top of Moxley for that length of time, well, the camera, and the cameraman's not helping either because it just has the camera on those two for that extended period of time. And, I, you got to do something. You have to do something there. So, somebody needs to do something there. Something has to happen. But the commentators too. And listen, you know, I, I put over Shivani and Jim Ross in a big way all the time here on Busted Open. But, you know, Excalibur saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, come on, guys, nothing happened. Nothing happened there. You you can't make people believe they saw something that they know they did not see. It's an unfortunate circumstance, but you know what? You you got to roll with the punches. Whatever you had planned, you have to completely throw out the window in that moment because the big bang did not happen. So you have to call an audible. I know it's difficult to do, but you have to call an audible there because what was planned was uh, unfortunately bully this ending is going to be remembered for decades for decades you have to to redirect the focus you have to change the subliminal narrative look at what goes on in politics every day if somebody is um in the spotlight for a negative reason in politics what do they try to do they try to deflect and change the narrative change put a different spin on it Correct. The different spin that they should have put in those final moments was Eddie should have gotten up and tried to get Moxley. Anything that takes your attention away from the the you know the the explosions not going off or, 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 the, or the you know the, the miss of the final uh, of the final ending. You know, imagine that's a concert. You know, imagine that's Alice Cooper's final moment where the guillotine comes down and he chops the head off or Kiss's final moment when the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, you know, the confetti sprays or ACDC's final moment when they fire off their cannons and those things don't have you just like it's it feels like such a letdown. 
Now, I'm not going to allow myself to be let down last night because of the effort put forth by Moxley and um, Omega, but I'll be damned. If you're going to do it, you better do it right. And last night was not the way a barbed wire exploding death match should have looked and should have operated. Bully, last week, I'll say this. You know, we're on the road to WrestleMania, but all that everybody was talking about, the wrestling world was talking about AEW because of the pay-per-view, because of the big signing that was happening, and because of this exploding barbed wire death match. I, I mean, that's something I don't know if I've ever seen, where another company is outdoing the WWE in their season leading up to WrestleMania, and they did a great job doing it. But after what happened last night, where did they go now? Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on SiriusXM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Bully, it's all about the follow-up, as you say. It's all about the follow-up. Uh, this is a young company. Uh, I thought the pay-per-view as a whole was was good last night. I thought it was a fun pay-per-view. But the way that that ended, it was a swing and a miss. This is their first swing and a miss, I feel. Like, this is the first time that AEW has struck out. So it's all about the follow-up. You know, what struck are we going to see with, when... Struck out, struck out with the entire show or struck out with the death match? Uh, they... Bully, I have to say that that was such a strong swing and a miss at the end of that show that that's how that show is going to be remembered. Like, are, are, people, are people today saying, man, now, you know what, the main event... You know, that ended terrible, but boy, the rest of the show was great. I'm psyched. I thought that was a great show. I'm going to watch it again, and I can't wait to talk about how great that show was with Bully and Dave, you know, this morning on Busted Open. I don't know if people are thinking that way, Bully. Again, it's like the Tom Brady performance. You throw for 500 yards, no interceptions, and three touchdowns in a loss. Are people talking about, wow, how great Brady's performance was? Or are they talking about, shit, the Patriots just lost the Super Bowl? AEW lost last night. I think that because we know how wrestling fans can be, we're making a conscious effort to put the positive out there first, the positive being Omega and Moxley and their effort. And there's no way in hell that we can glance over what happened to me by the production of the match, the look of the match, the feel of the match, and then the finality of the match, which to me, I'm sorry, does not work because I know what the match is supposed to look like. I know what it's supposed to feel like, and I know what it's supposed to sound like. I've seen the match done the right way many times. And if you have the money to get that match done the right way, we wouldn't have to be uh, talking about a swing and a miss this morning. That's where my frustration is. I understand why this has not worked for companies back in the day because they just had didn't have the money to invest in getting it right. Man, I, to me, and, and, and I'm, just, I'm just talking out of my ass now, Dave, I would have loved to have seen that match take place in the football stadium. 
completely different area where they could have blown up the entire field. They could have loaded that place up with C4 and 50-gallon drums and explosions and this and that. Your sister's ass and blew the whole place. When that match was over, it should have looked like Alderaan. Pieces. I know, Dave. Pieces. I know, Dave. I know, it's Dave. Just a, no, no, I know. I know. You want to know what Alderaan is? It's where Princess Leia grew up and all that shit. I get it. But but bully, that's one. You talk about what the look when you that match first started, and you talked about how you thought it looked a little indie-rific. The first thing I noticed is that they still kept the wrestlers at ringside, and I, that was a little bit of a concern for me because I was like, you know what? They should have cleared all the wrestlers out, and they should have made a note of it. Hey, we're clearing everybody out from ringside. The only people in attendance are the ones that are in the bleachers because everybody at ringside is being escorted out because of the dangers that could take place in this match. Something that they should have done. Now, I still think that it doesn't excuse for what happened at the end, but that was a little bit of a clue that they weren't going to go all out with the explosion. Because you're right, that ring should have looked like a nuclear bomb was just dropped on Daly's place. Go back and watch those matches that Bully and I talked about in the weeks leading up to what we saw last night. It, you know, again, debris, smoke, like it just, it, it looked like a, a nuclear holocaust for crying out loud. The highlights of the death match that they showed in the package with Onita were more spectacular than anything that happened in that match. Yes. And that's something from, from decades from, ago. Decades correct. ago. I'm sorry. Uh, it looked bad. It, it looked bully really quick. It looked bad because you had, and it's almost custom made to be fun of because the first thing you see are the sparkles coming out of the turnbuckle. And then you see like the two explosions from by the barbed wire. And then it looked like two big cherry bombs were set off like 10 feet from outside the ring, ridiculously far from the ring. And then that was it. That was it. Nothing came, nothing came even remotely close to Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. I mean, you're talking at least 10 to 12 feet away from them with no smoke hovering over the ring. If you had enough smoke where it blinded the camera or blind, like you could not see Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Uh, at, at least it has the effect of something that happened. The way that that happened last night, it was it was almost a mockery of an exploding barbed wire. It was like it was a Saturday Night Live skit of what an exploding barbed wire death match was supposed to look like. It's an interesting way to put it—a Saturday Night Live skit. Um, you know how in the NFL now they have. They've had, you know, uh, referees mic'd up or certain players mic'd up. They try to bring you a little closer to the game. You know, in, in baseball, yes. they've done it a little bit too. I would have loved for them to have a microphone in the middle of that scrum with Moxley and Eddie Kingston. I would have loved to have known what Eddie Kingston and John Moxley were saying to each other in that very moment. Because the moment that they were trying to recreate, they are massive marks for. 
When I'm watching Eddie Kingston covering John Moxley, I'm not watching two professionals. I'm watching the fan try to recreate the moment. And I'm saying that in a positive way, in a good way. The, these are two guys who were kids at one time who appreciated what Funk and Onita were able to do. And they want to go out there and they want to recreate a Funk Onita moment from Moxley and Kingston. They want to do it, hopefully do it better or as memorable as and then they got what they got i can't imagine what they were saying to each other in there when eddie's one hand slumped over his head down to the mat i i I said to my I, i felt my stomach turn because I, I, I felt bad for them because I know what it's like to put forth the effort and then have something go wrong. And when it goes wrong right at the end, it's all people are going to remember. Yeah, it's sad. It's, it's, it's sad. I, I, I was watching with Violetta and Violetta laughed out loud. She literally laughed out loud at the wow. end of the match. Why? Gabby said the same thing. Gabby said when she watched, she laughed out loud. Gabby, am I right? You said you laughed out loud uh, when 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 you when you saw the end of that match. I mean, where do they go now? Like, I mean, obviously you talked about the hardcore fan base of AEW. Um, where do they go now? Can you just glance over this? Can you move on from this? How do you move on from it? Like on this week's AEW Dynamite, how do you move on from what happened last night? Hey, everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. What can AEW do now? (laughs) Throw themselves in front of a bus. Uh, No. (laughs) I would. (laughs) Goodbye, cruel world. Um, I would make fun of myself. What do a lot of uh, comedians do these days? And it's a very easy way out for them. Self-deprecating humor. Correct. Make fun of yourself because people are going to laugh with you when you make fun of yourself because they feel bad for you. Oh, the poor guy is really fat and ugly. And I don't think Tommy should do that in his stand-up routine, but whatever. <laughs> That's terrible. You know what I would do? Because they, I, we've been joking about this. Like, they've been building up, like, Marvez as kind of like this. Like, Marvez just shows up, especially with the Kenny Omega. Like, Marvez comes out of nowhere to interview Kenny Omega. Blame Marvez. Like, Marvez screwed the Alex Marvez screwed this up. You know what? I'd have Kenny Omega or or John Moxley maybe find the guy who built the whole thing, beat the shit out of them. It's almost like try to turn it into a story, but then look at the camera and wink at it and go, you know what, guys? We fucked up. But thank you for having our backs. We're going to do it again real soon, and this time we're going to blow you away. Throw yourself on your sword. AEW fans are very forgiving. 
very forgiving. They they want their company to succeed. Listen, as all wrestling fans should want companies to succeed, but ADEW fans have that loyalty towards the product and the promotion and the wrestlers and the management the same way ECW fans had that loyalty. I see the similarities so much. So admit to them it didn't go right. Listen, last night after that show went off the air, and I know it's it's out there on social media. John Moxley got up. As a matter of fact, do, do we yep. have it, Ed? Do you have yeah. the audio? Yes, we do. Play oh, it perfect. Us. See that? Did, yeah, this is John Moxley immediately after the pay-per-view last night. Jacksonville. I think me and all y'all can agree on one thing. Kenny Omega may be a tough son of a bitch. But he can't make an exploding ring worth a shit. There you go. Done. That's it. You poked fun at yourself. You admitted that the stunt that we tried to pull off didn't go the way it, 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 it was intended to be. But don't worry. We're going to come back and we're going to try it again. I like the concept of the, de- of the exploding barbed wire death match. You pull it out of your ass once a year. And you use it for the right guys. Learn from this mistake and move forward. I'm not, listen, I would never condemn them for this. Um, yes, mass, it was a massive screw up. A horrible way to go off the air. Leaves a bad taste in lots of people's mouths. But just like wardrobe mal- a wardrobe malfunction can happen, you know, this stuff can happen. It can happen to anybody at any time. Um, I hope it didn't happen because they did not plan properly. Um, I hope it did not happen because of incompetence. I hope it did not happen because they're so full of themselves that they just thought it was going to go right. I hope it was a legitimate, legitimate 100% mis- mistake. Learn from it. And now let's move forward. Poke a little fun at ourselves. Uh, poke fun at yourself before Vince can poke fun at you. Because if it was the other way around, AEW would be making fun of, of the WWE. You know they would. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. If this happened in the WWE, they would, you know, they would be tweeting and all that stuff about, like, exploding this, exploding that. Hello, everyone. This is Bruce Murray. You may know me as host of the Sirius XM Blitz on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Here now to introduce you to my new podcast, Going Long. Every week, I'll talk to big names both in and out of the world of sports, Hall of Famers, actors, actresses, comedians, broadcasters, maybe even some chefs. We'll discuss their lives, their successes, their failures, and, of course, the one thing that connects all of them, a passion for sports. So join me every Thursday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast for Going Long. Gail Kim. Gail, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you? I'm so good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. We're much okay. better now that we're talking to you. <laughs> I heard you guys talking about AEW. I got all the highlights this morning. Yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I heard some mixed reviews, but um, I was just curious what you guys thought. Well, I, I just think when you when you hype up a big explosion and you just get a little dusting, it's it's a little bit of a disappointment. Oh, man. Okay. We'll talk about that later. 
one of the things that one of the things that people were talking about, Gal, was uh, Christian debuting uh, in AEW, and yes. uh, the the perception was, you know, that this had been built up so much by AEW that fans thought it was going to be CM Punk or Brock Lesnar or yes. Kurt Angle, and then it was Christian, and most wrestling fans, I think, felt a little let down. But as wrestlers, we know what Christian brings to the table, both in and out of the ring. So what are your thoughts yeah. on Christian and AEW? Yeah, um, you know, I was actually talking about it. I was out for dinner last night. I was getting some text updates and I kind of heard it was Christian at some point, like maybe before it was announced on Twitter. And I had also read on Twitter all the hype for it being Brock, Punk, all these people. And so I did that thought process did go through my mind of, oh, are their fans going to be disappointed? And I actually said the exact same thing you just said. I said, it's funny because all the boys and, you know, the girls respect him so much and we know what he brings to the table. Absolutely. And I think it's just kind of people always saw uh, Adam Edge, whatever you want to call him, you know, Vince just always kind of pushed him to the moon as this individual superstar. And, and Jay was just as talented and, you know, for the mind, for the business, how he performed in the ring, just overall his promo, everything. And it's just, it's for me as his friend or, you know, coworker, I would love for him to get the props that he's, he deserves. So it, it's hard to see. Cause it, I'm sure it's disappointing for maybe him if he's reading these comments or hearing these things because, you know, he deserves his props. He brings a lot to the table and he's going to help that roster tremendously. Yeah, and Bully's been saying about that. But, you know, but again, when you when you leave it open and you have a countdown and you have somebody like Paul White say that there's a new signee, you, you know that wrestling right. fans are going to swing for the fences and like you said, they're going to mention a Brock Lesnar, a CM Punk. It, it sounds yeah. disrespectful to say that they're disappointed, but I think right. that people hyped it up so much they thought it was going to be a, a, a bigger name. Uh, but but yeah. you're right. I think you know Christian will bring a lot of different perspectives to the locker room, a, a young locker room that probably needs a veteran like Christian to kind of guide yes. them and mentor them. I agree. Um, I think we need a little bit more. I, I do notice – that we need a little bit more from, you know, the Bubba generation, Jay generation, um, just to teach, like you're saying, you know, I love being with the women at, in the knockouts division um, to kind of pull them back a little bit. You know, this generation is great athletically, um, but always I'm a true believer. Sure. Let's meet in the middle and go forward and pro uh, with the progress of this business and how athletic everyone's going to be. But ultimately like Bubba always taught me, <laughs> actually storytelling, you know, that's the most important thing. And I believe success in this business, the fundamentals will never change. So if they are just open-minded enough or respect the wrestlers that are there who have come before them to just listen and take in some of that advice, it works guys. <laughs> you know, it really does. And I, I told Bubba on the side, maybe a year ago, maybe I said, I don't want to blow your head up or anything, but you know, the, the lessons that you gave me, they always stuck with me. And I hear myself repeating the same things Bubba told me during my career to the people that I get to mentor. So uh, thank you, <laughs> Bubba. And, 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 and that's why you're so difficult to work with. 
Uh, <laughs> but, yes, I'm very intense. intense. Yes. You know, so. Gail, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's almost like the cherry on top to the conversation that me, what me and Dave were talking about earlier with regard to Christian and the veteran talent that AEW has. We mm -hmm. hope that younger talent takes advantage of the veteran talent, listens to them, picks their brain, and one day they're going to quote unquote get it and the light bulb is going to go off of them. Much like yes. yourself, I'm sure that I'm sure that you felt that you had this. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go out there, but you had people like me going, "All right, listen, do it this way. Try it this way. It'll work this mm -hmm. way." And then one day the light bulb goes off for you, and you realize yeah. what is truly important in in the ring, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And and I watched how literally watching you. I remember one time seeing you go out and cut a promo, and I said how do you do that? And I remember saying, how do you just have them in the palm of your hand? Like, it's just so easy for you, you know? And you gave me advice and I worked with that. And I was just like, even though I wasn't a great promo person, I still knew how to interact with that crowd. <laughs> and that's, that was just like little things that I tweaked that you gave me that advice for. And everyone will do it in their own way. But, um, I pass on that knowledge to the girls and whoever will listen, you know, all the time. So I, sometimes it sinks through and it might take some time, but um, when you see it happen, it's a very grat gratifying feeling. Well, Gail, you just mentioned it because, you know, you, we know that you work with impact wrestling and they have a tremendous yeah. women's roster right now. You know, mm -hmm. Deanna Perrazzo, Tasha Steeles, Kiara Hogan. Mm -hmm. What, yeah. What's it been like working with that young talent? And, you know, do they come to you for advice? What kind of advice? You mean wrestling advice? <laughs> yeah. You know what? So You know what? Bill Parcells was one of the greatest coaches of all time. He tried to help his players not only on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah. So it could be it could be life advice and just wrestling advice. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I, I would say I give a little bit of both if I can or if they're comfortable with that. And I, I am always there for them no matter what. Uh, wrestling wise, they know, I think all of them know my personality now that, you know, I am very direct. I don't like to beat around the bush and we don't have time to waste. And I think they know that when I come at them with a very uh, in a very direct way or I'm just trying to help them. Right. And so I think. Yeah, I love it. I, I feel like I'm very hands-on with the women. I have aged in um, some of the guys' matches for here and there. And I, I, of course, love producing and passing on knowledge in any way for male or, or female, but my heart is with the women. I, I can't lie about that. I'm very invested in that women's division. It's like my baby in a lot of ways. And so when they knock it out of the park. I, I mean, my adrenaline's just as high as their, theirs. And I, I'm just so grateful that I, I get that feeling just watching them wrestle and accomplishing what we, you know, try to do together. It's, it's, it's just a great feeling that I can get because I think if I wasn't getting that feeling, I would probably be back in the ring because I'd miss it too much. <laughs> 
Gail, it is International Women's Day. You being mm -hmm. a woman in the professional wrestling industry, a successful woman, a Hall of Fame uh, um, worthy woman. How do you feel about the state of women's wrestling across um, all companies? And how would right. you like it to see it continue to take steps forward? Okay, I love where we're at. I would love for it to be get uh, get better in terms of, I think, the women definitely have a lot more time, except AEW needs to work on that. I, you know, from the outside looking in and I don't get to watch wrestling every week for every company, just too much for me, to be honest. And I'm traveling a lot with my husband. Um, but I think considering they have so many women and they have a lot of talented women over there, I think that they could definitely utilize that in a much better way. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you guys agree with that? I, I think WWE well, I, I, does a great I, I, job. I mean, I think like when you look at the whole scope of pro wrestling, you mm -hmm. know, even in the WWE, I, I feel like in a lot of ways they've taken step forwards, but you know, there's been a couple of stumbling blocks yeah. as well. Um, yeah. You know, AEW, I think they're still building their women's division, they probably do need somebody like you, Gail. Uh, like yeah. just how you and Bully have been explaining about somebody in the locker room that could, uh -huh. you know, show them, mentor them. I, I think they probably yeah. do need a figure like that right now. Yeah, they yeah. just need yeah, someone you, to really care about that division, to be honest. And when and sometimes when you have somebody that cares, you need to be the bad guy. And nobody yeah. wants to be the bad guy in wrestling. When I talk about the bad guy, I'm not talking about the heel in the ring. I'm talking yeah. about the bad guy in the back. And that yep. bad guy in the back is going to hold wrestlers' feet to the fire, man or woman. They're not going to yep. sit there and allow a wrestler to read their social media and have smoke blown up their ass about their match. They're going to sit them yep. down and tell them, here's what you did wrong and here's how you do it better. And I'm getting, and I've gotten that vibe from you over the past couple of years that you've finally turned into that, to that woman who will take the other ladies on the side and tell them straight up, here's what you have to do to become better. And I don't believe that there's enough accountability like that outside of the wwe yeah i mean wwe oh just to go back what you're saying dave to wwe i sorry i was thinking nxt because uh i hear great things about the nxt women's division mm -hmm. uh wwe i think their flaw is that they don't use enough of their women i see the same names being used i think like i i don't know it feels very just like the rest of the roster from whatever i read it's very just specific people and i don't know uh, i've kind of lost my I, my interest in that area so i don't know what's really going on so i shouldn't comment on that um but you're right Bubba. there needs to be someone who's not just going to sugarcoat it and someone who understands uh what they went through and i think that's a lot of with the girls with the knockouts they know i went through it i fought for it um, I'm going to tell them the bad. And I also, I'm going to tell you the good, even when, listen, there was one match recently where all the girls came back and they were literally almost crying and upset. And in that match, I had no choice, but to tell them, Hey guys, sloppy. It was just not good. And I really didn't have a positive that one time. And there are going to be moments like that. And, but then I give them the pep talk afterwards. Listen, we're going to have to forget about it now and move forward. And we're going to have to do better from this. And we can't have performances like that. And when we have fans back, you know, you're not going to have room for error. 
And so um, I think even when, even though some people hate holding people's feet to the fire and keep them accountable, that's the only way they're going to get better. And ultimately, when we have these conversations, most of them, the people who do want to get better say, no, that's what I want to hear. That's what I need to hear to get better. So they respect it. They just have to be open minded and know that we're coming from a good place. You know, when I think of you, Gail, I think about, you know, most of the your career with Impact Wrestling and TNA, because I really thought that's where you had some of your greatest matches, because it does frustrate me at times. And we've talked about this on Busted Open before, where, you know, the WWE says, you know, the women's evolution and and the women's revolution. And but, you know, they also are guilty at times for where women's wrestling was you know, 15, 20 years ago at times. I always thought TNA had the best women's roster and did the best with the talent that they had on their roster. So I always said, and and Bully, I I think both of us have said, before there was the WWE women's evolution, we had the knockouts with TNA and Impact Wrestling. Right. I mean, I'm going to agree with you, but there's a lot of fans who, you know, people will always just look at it in a different way. It depends on what they're fans for. I mean, I've had Mm -hmm. debates about it with other female wrestlers because some female wrestlers think it goes back way back, even before the knockouts. And it's all on what you consider what an evolution or a revolution to be. For me, I felt like the time when the knockouts came around, women's wrestling was dead for years. So for me, I felt like it was that jumpstart where it never ended again after that. So I felt like that was the, you know, the revolution at that time, because since 2007, when we created our women's division in TNA impact, it's never stopped for them. It's always been a cornerstone of their company and why people watch that company. So, you know, in our minds, we're very proud of what we did back then. And it was almost virtually, it was a surprise to us at how successful the division became almost virtually overnight when you bring in 10 girls at once that could be a recipe for disaster (laughs) you know and at times we had our meetings of you know where we talked our feelings out but ultimately that division came together really really well we had a diverse group people who were like myself and kong who went to war then we had people like you know roxy laveau and the beautiful people and uh you know just a, a cup of tea for everybody it was it was really great that a female fan or even a male fan could look at our division and say, I identify with that person. That person, you know, really relates to me and that there was something for everyone. And Dave, as one of the only men in TNA who actually got to eavesdrop on a couple of those meetings amongst the women, (laughs) they are vicious. They are vicious and crazy. And you're talking to the most vicious and crazy one right now. Wow. Listen, listen, I always knew the name Bully Ray would. I always knew the name Bully Ray would work just because everybody hates a bully. You have a shoot bully on the phone right now. Whatever. Gail Gail would threaten these women. 
threaten them. Okay. If she, she, I want to hear the story. Come on. Let's hear a threatening story. There's right no now. specific story. I just yeah, watched I you deal with so. everybody. Just, and you would be and you would basically threaten them. And that's why you got the best oh out of them. Oh, my God. So threaten I, them with what? Please. I need to hear these. You would okay. threaten to stretch them. You're like, I will make you look bad in the ring and I will stretch you <laughs> if you don't do the spot the way I want you yeah, to do it. Okay. I'm going to punch you right now. <laughs> Listen, here's no, my serious question you're, for you. You are no, confusing I, I, intensity. Intensity <laughs> with aggression. You are confusing the two. Knowing, knowing, <laughs> knowing the com- the performer that you are, and, and I have busted your chops for years about this. About yes. damn, Gail, you take this so seriously. <laughs> I and you've taken it seriously for all the right reasons. I'm always, I always tease you about it. But um, when you look at some of the, th- when you look at your career in, in in TNA, you know you got to do everything that you wanted to do because it was about the credibility of women's wrestling, the credibility of a championship. When you when you look back at your WWE career and some of the things that you were asked to do there that I'm sure you probably didn't want to do, what mm-hmm. would Gail Kim right this very moment tell Gail Kim from then how to handle a situation? <laughs> Oh, God. Well, <laughs> there are times, but it's funny because someone, okay, so someone recently put me in a position of like, would you go work for them again, you know, as trainer or whatever? And I'm like, to be honest, I'd probably get into a physical fight. <laughs> That's what I always say. I'm like, because I, only because I've experienced that company twice now and I hope it's changed. And I've heard from some people here and there that it has changed, but ultimately my personality does not fit within that corporation. It's too controlled for me. Uh, There are people who are okay with that, who are okay with playing their game and whatever it is. I enjoy being myself, enjoying my passion in life where I don't have to play games and where I don't feel like I'm going to, you know, get into it with my boss, right? Because I feel like I remember thinking when I went back that that when I went back to WWE when I left TNA that first time, I remember being so upset that I had to leave TNA. I, I cried, I bawled my eyes out, and then I I pulled myself together and I and I said, okay, you know what? I'm a stronger woman now. I'm I'm stronger and wiser, and I'm going to go into this situation very optimistic and hope for the best. And I went in there and it was the same all over again. I would, I just think after two times I would have even less patience and I still feel like a stronger, more wiser woman. Now, I just don't think I would take any bullshit. Right. So for me, I would just, they would be, I don't think they would like me is what I'm saying, because I'm not going to be a robot. And I will fight for the women. I'm not going to just take the business of the match if it's something that is wrong or uncomfortable and where I couldn't work with it and they wouldn't be open to hearing my thoughts. Uh, That's the understanding I have that it's like there, but I don't know if that's true. Would you be able to let's let's take somebody just like Lana, for instance, in the whole wedding angle that she did with Bobby Lashley. And I, me and Dave both think Lana 
Lana does a great job because she she plays the hand that's dealt to her. She does it to the best of her ability. She yes. she does, she's not a boo boo face. She really really tries hard, and we give her her props for it. But like somebody like you, could you do? Let's not even say WWE. Could you do something like that anymore in the wrestling business? Could you do something gimmicky like a wedding angle, something that did not focus on just wrestling? Oh, yeah. I think actually, as my years went on and leaving the business has really opened up myself to. I think I always say this because there's certain times, for example, on Impact, I love watching Susan, Susie, Sue Young, whatever you want to call her, her three characters. She has come so far from the moment she wrestled forever, you know, and I remember her being in developmental when I was wrestling there in my first run. And now to see, even when I came to become a producer and she was um, talent, she was just too young at that time. And to see the strides that she's made, um, and that's all entertainment stuff. And I love it. I love whatever your strength is, you know, because not everyone's going to be that wrestler wrestler. I love seeing, I would say with the girls now, everyone's a wrestler, right? So to see a character is going to be very different. So I embrace all of it. I've learned to appreciate every facet of uh, wrestling. So if anything, I've become more open-minded. Gail, is there one woman on the Impact Wrestling roster right now that kind of reminds you of yourself? Like, is there somebody on there that's like, you know, intense, you know, completely passionate that you kind of, you know, look at them and say, you know what, this is somebody that definitely gets it? Um... I will say I there's someone really high. I'm just going to say it because I've said it in front of the girls and maybe I shouldn't have singled her out, but because I've been really proud of Jordan Grace in the last couple of years, because at the beginning she wasn't hearing me. And I remember telling her, you know, I would love to see some emotion out of you. I need to feel you. I need to feel you. And, you know, it took a little while, but there was this one, like we're talking about, the light bulb went off, Bubba, right? And she did it one day and we had fans back then. And I, I heard the crowd and I remember going, do you hear that? Did you hear that? You did it. Now keep on doing that. And ever since then she has, and she's, she comes to the table all the time. She's very passionate about wrestling. She comes in with a lot of ideas. And now for me, I just want to get this, like we're talking about the storytelling part down and I told her, you get the storytelling t- part down and sky's the limit for you, girl. Sky's the limit. So I I, when, I see her going in a, a very positive direction. It's funny to hear this story, Gail, because I'll tell you a story that I probably haven't told you when she first started with you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a conversation with somebody and they told me that Let's just say she wasn't getting it and she was a bit difficult in the beginning. And my exact words to her were, don't worry, Gail will take care of that. (laughs) And it sounds like you have. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's great. But this has to do with like the conversation that we were having today about, you know, the AEW talent, listening to veteran talent. You're basically explaining and backing up a lot of the conversation that we've had today. And I I personally believe that... Jordan has become a better wrestler, a better worker, a better performer because mm-hmm. she has had the opportunity to spend time with a woman like you. It works. 
and it shows in her work when you see her on TV. And I think her and Deanna are do, have done some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think we just scratched the surface with those two, to be honest. I would love to see that happen again. Um, but you're right. I, I just think once she opened up her mind and at the beginning, she was a little stubborn. I think a lot of wrestlers in this generation are just a little stubborn, right? And they may see us and I get it. I totally get it. They might, because I've heard this many times about talking about generation before even me, um, about how, oh, we're so old in our thinking. Wrestling has changed. And it's like, yeah, it has. We get it. We get it. Everyone's more athletic now. But storytelling hasn't changed. What gets you over hasn't changed. If you would just try that out, you know, maybe <laughs> you can combine the two and you'll have a successful formula. Um, just getting people to listen and respect that, you know, so... Well, Gail, uh, we really appreciate the time. I think you're doing wonderful work with Impact Wrestling. The roster is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we always love you joining us to show. And thanks for joining us, especially a day like today, uh, International Women's Day. We really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I always love talking to you both. Except when Bubba (laughs) Bubba tells lies about me. Never, I, I never. Don't know. You are a, you're a shoot bully, gal. Your name should have been Bully Kim. She knows okay. it. That's why she's giggling. No, I, I kind of side with you. I kind of side with you. Bully. Actually, you know what, Gail? You know what we should do? Me and you what? should form a tag team. We'll call you know we'll call ourselves like natural born bullies, and we'll become the first inter <laughs> intergender tag team champions. We'll just beat the shit out Hell of everybody yeah. and Hell and yeah. politic them in the bully back. Everyone. <laughs> I'm all in. All in. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.